guys, Dr. D here. Hope that each of you had a wonderful Labor Day weekend and um, found a little bit of time to relax and have a little fun with family and friends. This week, the topic of your lesson in your module is response to intervention and comparing that to the discrepancy model. Response to intervention has developed into a sort of pre-referral process for students who are struggling and who may end up needing special education. However, that's not the purpose of response to intervention. It's not an avenue to get into special ed. Response to intervention should be a system-wide process of providing support to all students in a school setting. If you've noticed in your textbook or if you have searched on the internet looking for something about response to intervention for one of your assignments, you most often see it portrayed in the form of a triangle where the bottom portion of the triangle is considered tier one. That's the largest part of the triangle and it's usually colored green if you look if you're seeing it color coordinated that bottom portion of the triangle represents general education meaning that instruction and curriculum and interventions that are applied at that level all take place in general education. So you may ask, well, what can a general education teacher do when he or she's teaching a class of 20 to 25 students and you've got three or four over here that are struggling and need intervention, how can they do that? Well, what you do in tier one are things like differentiated instruction, um, universal design for learning. We'll talk about those in a little bit more detail as the semester progresses, but we have not gotten there yet. Other things that the general ed teacher might do, this would be like the content area teacher, um, reading, math. If you have a reading group and you've got a couple students that are struggling in your guided reading there may be a intervention piece that's part of the curriculum you're using so at some part of the day when your students are doing independent work or in centers or something like that it would afford you the opportunity to pull those struggling students to do perhaps an intervention piece. But primarily the general ed teacher doesn't have to 
specialize in interventions at that level. Now, another thing that I want to point out about that tier one, that bottom level of the triangle, is that 80 to 85% of your students should be on grade level and responding to good quality curriculum and instruction at that level. Okay, let's, let's take it to the next tier, which is in the middle of that triangle, usually represented by the color yellow. Let's say that in your classroom, you've noticed those three or four students that are struggling and you've been doing your differentiated instruction, you've done some small groups, you've had peers working together, you've had a mentor assigned to the student, you know, little things like that that you've done to try to pull those students up to grade level. Well, a couple of them may have responded, but let's say there's still two of them that just they just are not grasping the concepts and they are falling further and further behind. They, in a response to intervention model, would probably move to tier two, meaning that they need small group instruction using something different, something different than the general education curriculum. Now, here's where you may think, okay, who's going to do that? The regular ed teacher can't do everything. Well, you're absolutely right. And this is where it kind of gets bogged down for school districts because there's a cost involved. Number one, who? It takes extra staff. Number two, what? You need some sort of different curriculum. So you can see there that from a monetary standpoint, it's, cost, it's costing more for staff and for materials. So um, that's probably why you may not see RTI up and running in a full-fledged format in most schools. What most districts end up doing is some kind of modified response to intervention. But if we were following that triangle to fidelity, we would have those little kiddos that had not responded in level one, that tier one, they would be in a small group setting with a different curriculum where it's a little bit more intensive instruction than what they had been receiving in the gen ed class. Now you don't stop what's going on in gen ed. You don't leave tier one and say, okay, well I'm done here. Um, it's somebody else's problem. You always, tier one always remains tier one. Tier two just becomes supplemental to tier one. All right, so you would do some progress monitoring, and if the students still are not responding 
then that's when they move up to tier three, which is generally color co coordinated um, red. And that's kind of like red alert. These kids are really, really deficit in their skills. And if we cannot get it under control right now, we're going to have to do a referral for further evaluation to see if the students might need to be in special education. Now, at the top of that triangle, it's smaller, of course, because you're at the tip of the triangle, and it should only comprise three to five percent of your population. Now, as I've pointed out to some other students, in school districts, um, for example, the school district that I'm working part-time helping out now, we have a hundred kids in special ed and we have, it's a small district, so we only have like 650 kids district-wide. Well, if you do the math, 108 students divided by 650 you get somewhere in the neighborhood of 16 to 17%. That's way too much because see, if a kid is already in special ed, they've already, they're at the tip of that triangle. They're in that red alert zone. So, um, even though it should represent three to 5%, most of the time, it's going to be more than that in these school districts because as I said, that triangle represents utopia, what it would look like in a perfect world where there were no monetary restraints, where we had materials and resources just running out the wazoo. It would be wonderful. It just doesn't work that way in reality. So most school districts do some sort of modified RTI and they still use that discrepancy model. Now, the discrepancy model is numbers, where you evaluate the child and you look at their scores from an IQ test and you look at their scores from achievement test and you do some comparison. Especially in the area of learning disabilities, you would notice a large discrepancy, I mean, sometimes 20 points, between IQ and achievement. That indicates that there's some sort of processing problem. And so, um, like I said, districts tend to still use that discrepancy model to a degree but we do look at patterns of strengths and weaknesses also. So it's, when you evaluate a student now for special education, it's a lot more comprehensive than it used to be. Um, we look at the child holistically and um, you analyze strengths, weaknesses, response to intervention, IQ score, achievement score, uh, classroom performance, all those things. So you bring all of those pieces 
to the table when you're trying to make an identification for special ed. So I just kind of wanted to point that out, these features of referral and evaluation as to how the process works when a student continues to struggle and might need to be looked at for special education. I hope that helps to clarify and if you have any questions, by all means, uh, email and I can post answers and so forth so that it helps everyone in the class. Hope you're having a great week and we'll get back together on a podcast soon. Bye.